May 20th, 2006, a date firmly etched in the foreground of Monster Rugby history. Pummeling away at Beeritz. Stringer, still been out there, The date when Munster met their destiny, following an 11-year journey. The date when Munster were crowned champions of Europe. In this extended podcast, we chat with the man who was there for every twist and turn of that incredible journey, Monster captain on the day, Anthony Foley. Well, at that moment, you just can't believe it's over. Um, you can't believe that you've won it because it, 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 it's surreal. We also talked to current Monster player Billy Holland, who on that day was part of the 16th man and one of over 74,000 fans that made the journey to Cardiff's Millennium Stadium. You know, I remember when they were going around the pitch with the, the trophy afterwards, you know, you would have had a tear in your eye and people singing Fields of Attenry. Plus, we have the man responsible for those iconic shots of O'Connell Street in Limerick, the shots that brought Cardiff and Limerick in unison as the game was being played. It was like a, a, a hive of bees because you could feel this, this buzzing happening in the background and it was just building up and building up and building up. Fran O'Donnell of Future Amber Productions tells us how it almost didn't happen and how it was none other than Marty Morrissey that saved the day. And next thing I saw an RTE truck with Marty Morrissey, who I knew. I said, Marty, are you all right? Can I do anything for you? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm looking for the money shot. We hope you enjoy as we look back at one of the proudest days in Munster rugby history. Axel, defeat in two finals, 2000, 2002. Then in between there in 2006, there was a loss to Toulouse in the semi-final, a loss to Wasps at Lansdowne Road in another semi-final. Then ironically, the year before, there was a loss to Biarritz in the quarter-final. And then in the first game of the 05-06 campaign, there was an away loss starting off your campaign with a loss to, uh, to Sale Sharks. Was there ever a time there where you might have thought to yourself, you know, maybe we can't do this? Uh you go through a lot of hardship, you know, and uh, it makes the makes the the good days really special. And uh, you know, from from two thousand, you know, like I I don't think we were mentally prepared properly for that game in terms of uh, where we were with our arousal levels beforehand, you know, and to come so close and just leave it out there, you know. But that probably fueled the next uh, the next uh, five seasons, you know. Um, you know we're ridiculously close uh, on a number of occasions to uh to winning it and to getting into more finals and uh you know er, each each had its own learning but um the 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 one that i felt that you know we're definitely going to win uh european cup was uh after the Baritz game in uh san sebastian i knew um you know we weren't you know we weren't a million miles away we'd suffered enough uh, i think we'd uh the age of the group um, was getting to a good age where uh, we had a lot of fellas who had been through the mill um, with a, a good squad, a very balanced squad uh, going into 06. Um, you know, with a few young guys coming through, uh, I think uh, the likes of Dowling and uh, the likes of uh, Barry Murphy came in uh, throughout the season. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, 
you know, we bounced on the back of uh, their uh, enthusiasm. You know, uh, Jerry Flannery came in for Frankie after the sale game and, uh, you know, took his opportunity, you know, and there was there was good competition for places in and around the squad, you know. Um, we lost a couple of key players along the way that year as well, Quinlan and uh, uh, Frankie, obviously. And, you know, we when we got to the... We got to the final uh, week, you know, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a whole pile of training that could be done because the bodies were well battered up at that stage. But I think we'd done enough over the over the previous seasons that would allow us to uh, get through uh, get through 80 minutes of rugby that, um, you know, would eventually allow us to lift the trophy. There just was such positivity and love for the for the squad at the time. You know, what they were doing was, was unheard of in uh, Irish rugby. You know, getting to quarters and semis was, you know, at the time, you know, there were these valiant defeats, and I know it was killing the players within the squad. They wanted, they wanted silverware. They were on a different level mentally to everyone else in the country. But you know, going to all those matches and watching them, you know, the energy that was around the supporters was phenomenal. And you know, you nearly get hairs in the back of your neck thinking about them. Some of the games in in the old Toma Park, um, you know, that that game against Sale been in the terrace and you know the the noise you can nearly still hear it you know the abuse you're shouting <laughs> at the referee um you know it was just this was incredible you felt that this squad were going to do it at some stage and you know watching from watching from afar it was just it was so impressive Just looking at the games in that season and the teams you would have met. So you met Dragons, Cast, Sale, obviously. Uh, then you had Perpignan in the quarterfinal, you had Leinster in the semifinal, and then obviously Buritz mm. in, in, in the final. I suppose the games that stand out to most people, if they look back at that season and, and they were to think of three games, obviously they think of the final, they obviously think of Leinster, and then probably the Sale game that January in Thoman Park. Were they the three games that stand out for you? I suppose looking at the pool games, was it the Sale game that stands out for you? Um, I suppose we we played Dragons in Thomond Park, and uh, I think the criticism after that game was uh, we were playing for second in the group because uh, we didn't get a, a bonus point win over them, um, which frustrated us because um, Dragons are a good side and they always are, and they're they're hard to play against, and you know they they have a lot of monster uh, similarities in the way they go about their their business and. And they're very tough. Um, I think the game going down to cast where we got a bonus point win and the manner in which we achieved that kind of uh, gave us hope going into the last game. I think we went down. Um, you know, it's hard to go to the south of France, but um, it was one of those days where we arrived at the stadium and there was more Munster supporters in the stadium than there was uh, mm. cast supporters. And that gave us massive belief uh, going out into the pitch. And I think it just... I think from the from the off we just went at them at a hundred miles an hour and they couldn't live with us, and um, you know when when we got uh, sail in uh, Toma Park, you know it was a, a strange game. You know they they uh, I think we three try scored up to half time. There was you got the first, didn't you? Uh, 
to be honest, with you, Jake, I think I may have, <laughs> yeah, but anyway. I got maybe I did, maybe it's off the back of them all, which I kind of half count as a forward <laughs> try because you know there's a lot of work done from others to get over the line, you know, and you you just have to finish it. Um, I think uh, there was a couple of encounters with uh, Shabal, who's their uh, their big figure out in the pitch and I think uh, Paulie got a big hit in him and you know we managed to get momentum out of that two locks the two lines chasing and Chabelle got it and he was put backwards in a big way oh what a drive from Munster that was Chabelle and Sale that they were carting back I think we controlled the game really well uh, having three tries at half time, you know, we needed one more to to make sure that uh, we were first out of the group, you know. So uh, they they come out in the second half and uh, it was like playing against an Italian soccer team. It was uh, they shut up shop and mm. they they made sure that uh, they slowed down the game. They they weren't coming after us. They were playing very defensive. Uh, they were happy with their lot and making sure that we couldn't score and you know I think it was near the end of the game Wally got over you know and um, it was actually some excellent play by our back line uh, I think I think Sean Payne might have made a break and Wally got over from a couple of yards out but it took us a full 40 minutes I think to, to, to break him down Halstead maybe the opportunity maybe the opportunity Kelly goes in, Stringer sees, Wallace, David Wallace! Oh, would you believe it? They just stood back and let him cross. But it, it was strange, that's uh, the mentality that they had, that they, they were obviously playing for the, the reward of being first out of the group and having a, a home um, home quarter. Uh, and uh, the manner in which they tried to do it was uh, something that we probably wouldn't have come across before. I suppose a lot of people focus on the, the Leinster game but Perpignan that was no easy task trying to overcome them at Lansdowne Road in the quarter final. Yeah look and there was a lot of emotion around the squad with uh, obviously Conrad uh, passing away and the weeks leading up to it you know there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of tightness in the group and um, you know it was obviously a, a big time for a lot of players within our group and uh, you know for, for us to go out and we were lucky uh, mm. I thought Perpignan were a very good side at the time uh, I think Paulie got over for a try, but it was a, it was a, it was a tough contest. It, it was a physical contest in in Dublin, and you know it was um, it was something that uh, after the game we were happy to get a result and get out of it. Relentless pressure here from Munster. At the end, the tent. Munster trying to get over the try line. Had to come, Bob. Had to come. The pressure just picking and going, picking and going. It just had to come, and you can see there O'Connell. We see it after five or six attempts. Just through the tackle. Never going to get stopped there. So you've got the victory over Perpignan. Now it's a semi-final. You're playing Leinster, but you got to go and play them in their own backyards in Lansdowne Road. That was a lot of little t- contests won before the game. I think we won the toss for the home changing room. And in fairness to Jack, when he got to the ground, uh, I think uh, Johnny O'Hagan was uh, putting the putting the Leinster jerseys up, and Jack told, told him to get out of the <laughs> get out. We were in here, you know. So I think there was little little contests won around the game at the time. But again, when we were coming out into the pitch, you know, we were walking up the little steps in in Lansdowne Road and. If, 
place was red mm. and uh, we couldn't understand. You know, you're a bit taken back, you know, or the stand behind us blue or where all the supporters, you know, and it was just to see a red out there. And you have to go back to the RDS where we got, we were well beaten by Leinster uh, a couple of months beforehand. And you had Felipe Contepomi, uh, you know, uh, jesters into the crowd and all that. And, you know, I think a lot of players took mental notes of that. And you never know at the time because we weren't down to play him again. But at the time, it seemed important that, you know, that we made sure that that wasn't going to happen again. And when we got out into the pitch, you know, um, it was a local derby. It was a fierce rivalry between the two teams. You know, a lot of... Uh, fellas you play international rugby with over over the last uh, five, six seasons and, you know, there was no, nothing asked, nothing given, you know, it was, uh, it was a massive, uh, massive contest and, you know, we did ride our luck a small bit, I think they, they missed a number of kicks at goal, uh, but uh, I suppose we won the big moments of the game, you know, and uh, we started getting a couple of tries in and, you know, I think the scoreline flattered us at the end, but, you know, that that's the joys of it with Trevor's intercept, but, you know, I think we worked hard on the day and, um, you know, I think what allowed us to work hard on the day was the atmosphere within the stadium and I think um, anybody that was there would uh, will never forget it. O'Gara might think of dropping back in the pocket, but he hasn't. Stringer feeds him now. O'Gara, he's through! Oh, Ronan O'Gara! He's done it! That's it! He knows it! Munster know it! Europe will know it! Munster are going to another Heineken Cup final. Okay, the build-up to the final then. I mean, what was it like in your own head, on the streets and training? Yeah, look, um, I suppose we were more comfortable in it when we were together because uh, I'd say we were a nightmare to be around other than when we were together because um, people would be kind of... Uh, <laughs> kind of will I talk to him about rugby or won't I talk to him about rugby you know and ultimately you know you only wanted to talk rugby with the people that were going to actually go through it with you you know so um, I think when we got we got together we were nice and tight we were fully focused I think uh, I think we'd, we'd come in our own heads that there was no way we were going to lose lose this game yeah I went over my mother my brother my sister and we got on a flight in Cork airport and landed in Birmingham we thought we were going to Cardiff <laughs> and the flight next thing is landing in Birmingham airport which we had no idea about putting a bus down to Cardiff um, you know got there probably just in time for the game but I just remember just to see a red around Cardiff and Going to the Millennium Stadium with the roof closed, it was just, it was all bizarre. It was surreal atmosphere, 20 year old kid. Um, and it was just, it was incredible. Um, there was only so many losses that they could take. They wanted it so badly. There was characters within that squad that weren't happy with second best. They wanted to win it. They weren't going to stop until they won it. They learned a lot, as I said, from their mistakes mm. and they improved every year. And you know, eventually they got there in in, in all six. Yash Billy, Bruce is waiting. Oh, Billy! Onto Melbourne! He knew exactly where the touchline was. He was in all right. He was in the field of play, and he's in for the first score as well. Beerits may have a different shade of red, but in its own way, it is just as potent. You're the captain. You know, they score early. It's not what you wanted to happen. What's going through your head at the time? What did you say to the guys? I suppose 
being the captain and the good the good thing for me was there's there's plenty of fellas there with experience as well and there's you know John Hayes didn't drop his head you know Fla didn't drop his Marcus you know the two second rows Dunners and Paulie you know they didn't flinch you know we knew that you know there was eighty minutes to play you know we'd seventy six minutes left in the clock you know if there was a time to concede and go behind it was at that moment you know but it was the most important thing for us was to get a score on the board and get that done as quickly as possible and then find a way to get ahead of them and make them chase us. And I think, you know, at times we we went after that and, you know, we took quick line-outs. We went to the corner. We we told them that we were coming after them and we weren't going to stop coming after them. And um, I think uh, once we got ahead, you know, we, we maintained that. And I think when when we started exchanging penalties, you know, I think uh, Ronan just kept us that nose in front. Anthony Foley so experienced as a captain. How confident is he here? Because it's 7-3 down. Over the years, I would expect Munster to go for three points. Instead, they're looking for more. This is high-octane, positive, daring captaincy. I suppose that was just an innate belief with you guys that if we have our kicks at goal but was it just that innate belief that this is our year and we can get the try here no um, I think my head and what I said in the group before the game the night before the game is we're going after them we're going to get in front of them and we're going to make them chase us um, because what I felt from watching them in their quarter and their semi and playing against them in the semi the year before was they were very comfortable leading from the front and they were very comfortable, you know, tying with you, using their scrum to milk a penalty, using their maul to milk a penalty, uh, moving up the pitch and and uh, keeping you at an arm's distance the whole time. I felt it was important for us to, you know, show our intent that we were gonna we were gonna test them, we were gonna force our way to make sure we get in front of them and then let them chase us. Um, it doesn't always work out. Uh, it didn't work out on a number of occasions in that game, but the intent was there, the belief was there. We understood what we were trying to do, and uh, I think from there, you know, I think, you know, we had a lot of we had a lot of good, experienced players on the pitch that you know had had the willingness to to go to the well. And uh, as I said before, we we weren't going to lose. So. Um, we we just needed <laughs> when you're not going to lose, you just need to find a way to win, you know. So we we were, we were working on that, and, and um, you know Peter Stringer picked off uh, picked off Bobo uh, not being on his wing, and Serge was stuck to the side of the scrum, and Trevor Halstead just barreled his way over yeah. the line as only Trevor can do, you know. And I think you you couple that with uh, with um, you know the kicking of Ronan, and you you, you found your way. Only control the whole straight Now there will be no greater place in Munster history than the one reserved for the man who scores the special individual try. Stringer, Stringer, Stringer. Did you know Stringer was going to do that or did he catch you by surprise as much as everybody else? It's something the backs had talked about where that the winger had uh, defended uh, strings wouldn't tell you anything at the best of times. <laughs> so um, for him, he he spotted it. He did. He didn't make a big deal of it, and um, you know, and he he sold an unbelievable dummy there, and off he went. And it's probably better off that none of us knew what he was doing. You know, but. Uh, 
he did know and I I mean I played with him long enough to know if he goes that way I'll follow him. Yeah. He, he's a good man to to put you into a hole at times or dig a hole for you as well. But <laughs> um he's uh you know, I, I think when he spotted that and he, his cuteness, um, you know, I think it was uh, a moment that we all cherished. One of the moments, stand up moments for me in that game when I when I was there, I think it was yourself and John Hayes lined up Demi and Troy and you drove him backwards. It was like a did, do you remember that? Uh like it was a statement of intent as in, you know, get back, this is our year. Like I'm thinking for you, was there a standout moment for you personally during the game where you were like, yeah, I'm happy with that? Uh, there was a, I think there was a few. I think it was more of an issue with their winger. They had a big winger at times who seemed to line me up at well. And I, I, uh, it was just there were, there were so many moments that there, were, there wasn't... It was nearly trench warfare for the forwards, you know. It wasn't there wasn't anything flash there. It was about fellas getting up and going again. It was about fellas covering off for one another. Um and to say at times was there anything that stood out, it's one of those games that, you know, you felt it it was over and done with in about two minutes, you know. Mm. It was just it was just so pressurized and you know, I think I only played seventy minutes. Decky, Decky took me off, and they're kind of going to have to sit here now and watch this. You yeah, know? I was, I was going to ask you. You were sitting beside Paul O'Connell. They're like, did did you converse? What were you saying? Can you repeat what talk. you were saying? No, we didn't even talk to each other. You know, but I just they're kind of going. You know, you're 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 you've a level of shock at times. You know, because the place you're in, as I said, was trench warfare, and there was no thinking more or less out in the pitch when you were going toe to toe with you it was literally get up do your job get up do your job mm. uh, go again go again and uh, when you got time to assess and try and make decisions and try and look around and try and make sure where we're playing the game what position on the pitch what do we need to do from here you know there were there were very f uh, there were very few moments like that in the game well that's what it felt like and um, you know then to to be taken out of that and didn't just sit there, you know, it was like a form of punishment, mm. you know. So it was, um, it was, uh, it was a tough, tough watch in the last few minutes of the game. I'll put it to you this way, but to be honest with you, like, um, Mikko, Mikko went on and Quinny went on, so like there was fresh bodies going on. Like, I think our our complaints in the past were, you know, when we played Toulouse's and Watts and these mm. teams, they were offloading internationals onto the mm -hmm. bench, off their bench onto the field and giving them a freshness. And it was great for us to be able to do that as well, you know. And, uh, you know, it just kept our intensity up. It kept uh, it kept the uh, uh, quality on the pitch and it kept, um, you know, fellas fighting on the pitch. And, you know, it wasn't, you look, there's a lot of things, I suppose, if you look back over the game that you kind of tear your hair out over. But, um, there's a lot of stuff in the pitch that you're damn proud of as well. With over 60 minutes played, the stadium big screen cuts to Limerick, where tens of thousands of fans have lined O'Connell Street. Cardiff and Limerick are in unison, and the atmosphere finds another gear. Final quarter of the match now. Back in Limerick. And Ireland in general. They will be nervously watching these pictures and cheering, saying themselves. Messages being sent over the water. Brother to brother, they're cheering here as well, aren't they? This is Limerick United, and you know what? Shots like this have 
sounds like this will help Munster in the last 10, 15 when they are going to be hurting. Arms were linked there. Hearts were united. Fran, you were the man tasked with putting together the big screen and organising something big in the centre of Limerick for the Heineken Cup final. You might tell us a little of the background to that. Yeah, uh, it hadn't been done before. Uh, I suppose, yes, it had been done the continent, especially for uh, football matches, a big thing, but it hadn't been done here. And we said, wouldn't it be great? So many people wanted to go to Cardiff. That many tickets just weren't available, but not alone that. Some people just couldn't get away. Some people couldn't get their families over there as well. They all wanted to just to see it and be part of it. So how many people are you expecting on the day? <sighs> we thought 2,000. And how many turned up? Over 30. It was absolutely incredible. I had no indicator uh, how many. I thought if 2,000 people turned up, it would be an amazing event. It would be absolutely amazing. The buzz would be great. Uh, there would be a link right into the, into the team, into the stadium. And we just saw like droves, droves of people coming and coming and coming. We know from Sligo, Cork, Tipperary, Clare... Kerry, uh, Offaly, Dublin, and a sea of red. It was like an all-Ireland thing. It wasn't just Munster. Mm. It was Ireland. And it very nearly didn't happen. Yeah. There's a, a very short story. We'll try and keep it as short as possible. We had been t- in talks with um, Sky TV, and we knew they were they, they carrying it. And um, we had this idea, like, I wonder, would they take a shot from Limerick? at the people uh, attending on the screen. And uh, we contacted the producer, who was an Irish guy. He was up for it, but on on condition that we kept it quiet. We needed a a satellite truck. We had one. Sky needed it. So we did a deal with Sky. We gave it to them. And they said, yes, if the opportunity arose, they would clip into Limerick and take a snippet. So on the morning, unfortunately, the producer rang me and said, look, I'm sorry. There's an incident happening in Dublin. News takes precedent over sport, and news have just claimed that satellite truck, so you have no uplink. You can't. We can't go to Limerick. So you would still have been able to show the game on the big yes. screen, but the players would not have been able to no. see it in They Limerick wouldn't or... see it in Cardiff, and they wouldn't see Limerick. So uh, as the morning went on, I didn't want to say it to anyone because I didn't want to put a damper on such an exciting event. Um, and the, the crowds were coming and coming. We were very, very close to match time. I was walking down the streets... And next thing, I saw an RTE truck with Martin Morrissey, who I knew. I said, Marty, are you all right? Can I do anything for you? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm looking for the money shot. I said, have you an uplink? Have you a satellite truck? I have. I said, come with me. (laughs) Brought him up right up to the truck, put his camera on top of the truck, facing the people. This is the shot he wanted. That was the shot I wanted. And that was the shot that Sky needed as well. So as it turned out, Sky were an affiliate to, to, to Sky and they shared services. To RTE. To RTE and to Sky. So we rang the producer. We said, look, we have an uplink. He said, I can see it here. Best of luck to you. That's it. And then the shot came in the match at a crucial time. And we feel like, we hope that we did something to assist overall in the match like that must have lifted the the players a little bit you know when you're kind of in that 60 minute mark in the game where it's everything's in the balance it's um bizarre it was surreal atmosphere it was just 
just the noise and everything in there was something I never experienced before. From what I would have taken of it was the stadium suddenly erupted, you know. So you were um, you're out in the pitch and you know there's a new lease of life in the stadium and um, you know so it gives you belief. You feed off it, you know. I heard that uh, Paul O'Connell. Uh, I think just as Raj uh, was tying his uh, shoelaces, and when they shot from Limerick went up in the screen in Cardiff, he said, "Look." That's Limerick. We can't leave it behind. I tell you one thing, I was damn glad it was Limerick and not uh, San Sebastian or someplace like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With all his years of experience, O'Gara tries to draw upon that for three of the biggest, perhaps the three biggest points of his career. They have never lost the faith. Touching distance of the trophy. Oh, that is such an important kick from O'Gara. Biarritz were in the drive them back and get the penalty range of victory. Now, six and a half minutes, and they need two penalties or a penalty and a drop goal. You look at Raj, and he didn't have the best of days from the tee against Northampton in that final, and then to see him kick everything and land all those pressure kicks in 06 was, was great for him. Yeah, I think he... he He's a world class player at the time, as I said. He he um he learnt he learnt a lot through uh through error as well as everyone else has. You know, you, you make mistakes uh, off the tee in, in games, but to be honest with you, he was our best place kicker in uh, in in two thousand and unfortunately it didn't go his way. But um, you know, throughout the years he's gotten us out of more trouble than anyone else, you know. Um, and he's on the day in the Millennium Stadium. He was uh, he was brilliant. Um, not alone was he putting them over the post, but he was putting them back into corners as well. Mm. He was he was making sure that we played the game in the right areas. He was composed out there, um, and he gave us good direction. Uh, I think himself and Strings were outstanding in terms of giving us direction out in the pitch for a forward pack uh, who are um, you know it wasn't easy. It's never easy playing against Barrett. You know it's uh, it's. Um, they're very meaty pack and uh, a lot of quality in that pack and you know to go toe to toe with them but I suppose the good thing for us is our 9 and 10 put us into areas that we could fight them You've won the Heineken Cup. What was going through your head? I don't, you can't believe it at times because um, you, you nearly think of all the people that aren't in the stadium, that aren't, who've been on the road, you know, who have uh, soldiered, who've had the disappointments. But at that moment, you just can't believe you, it's over. Um, 
you can't believe that you've won it. Uh, the team has won it. You can't believe uh, uh, because it, it, it is surreal. Um, some people say it's nearly uh, afterwards. It's nearly a downer because what do you do next? Yeah. You, know, you, you you strive so much to get there, and uh, you have a massive, massive buzz. And I think uh, once it all settled down after about 30 seconds, you know, and you're just jumping around the place, and you know the 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 lads who aren't in the 22 get out into the pitch. I think it's just carnage at that stage, and it's about cool heads and it's about uh, enjoying the moment. You know, we. We've seen many a year where, you know, other teams are doing it, and you're, you're jealous of them. You know that they get the opportunity to to be like that and to douse, jump around the place and uh, just show their joy. And uh, it was great. It was great as a group to be out in the pitch and uh, enjoying the moment and enjoying the moment in what was um, a pretty full stadium of monster supporters. And uh, it's it's just uh, one of those moments that you, you kind of wish you could pause and go back to uh, mm-hmm. many occasions but you know you, you earned the right to have those moments and um, I think uh, it kind of drives you to get back and get more you have certain moments in life where you always remember where you are when and Munster winning the Heineken Cup final for any Munster fan is always going to be one of those moments be it they're there in the stadium they're on O'Connell Street they're watching it in Cork or they were watching it in Australia or someplace they'll always remember that moment and you were the man who lifted the cup on that day on a personal note it must still be 10 years later a source of immense pride for you oh, it is but I always said at the time I said it again like you know you lift it on behalf of others you know um, I was I remember thinking thinking back at it and walking up and the security guard was bringing me up and I turn around and Decky isn't there you know and he's standing back watching and if there was a man that should have been up on the podium lifting the trophy should have been Decky you know I thought you know people will have their views on Decky from what he's done and what you know perceived not done the man was incredible for us you know he's uh one of the best people that um, I've worked with uh, both as a player and as a coach and you know I think um, he did a lot for that team you know the team needed needed a head coach like Dickey um, you know somebody you know he had a lot of players that would take responsibility he gave us good direction uh, he gave us good a good manner about how we went about it kept us very level and um, you know for I, my initial thought as I went up was um, I wish he was up here with me, you know, because um, him, Claw, Golov, KK, Lankford, Williams, Jimmy, you know, all these people, Reese Ellison, you know, they've all added, you know, a lot of value to Munster Rugby in their time in the jersey, and I think it all accumulates up to to that day, you know, and then when I lift the cup, cup I'm more I'm more worried about how heavy it is <laughs> <laughs> the bloody over the head and it nearly fell um, full of Heineken <laughs> I don't know what it was what do you think was the ultimate legacy of that 06 team and what you guys achieved oh, it's hard because um, I think a lot of that squad you know I think was there eight of them picked uh, for the 09 Lions tour mm-hmm. at one stage you know um, they won a Grand Slam with Ireland, a, a good chunk of that team. They won another uh, Heineken Cup in uh, 2000. So, for for Munster, I think you know that group of players had had brought Munster to the to the world stage. The lift it gave to the whole region, not just the city. 
you couldn't go to a meeting, into a shop, you know, out for a meal, out for a drink. It was just monster, monster, monster. Elation everywhere. I was uh, in Poland at a wedding about maybe two years uh, later. And uh, we came off the plane and uh, a lot of Poland closes down early on a Sunday night. So we found this uh, little restaurant and uh, about maybe 10, half 10. And we came out from the restaurant. There was two local guys sitting outside and they're having their shots and smoking a cigarette. And uh, one of the guys said, are you from Ireland? I said, yeah. And he goes, monster. <laughs> I won't lie, you shed a tear when once they won the European Cup for the first time, the Hain Cup for the first time. Um, you know, I wouldn't have said that to too many people, but you know, you you don't forget that, and I suppose you feel like you, you know, when you when I then got to put on a monster jersey for the first time, you're putting on a jersey that belongs to European champions, and that drives you to work extremely hard, and that's something which really frustrates me and other guys in the squad at the moment is that. You know, we've let it slip in the last couple of years. You know, you come up with many reasons as to why, but it's it, the jersey means so much because of what guys had done back then. You know, we want to emulate that. You've you've been there when they were doing those things. Guys were in the crowd supporting. You know, it's it's something you want to try and emulate. Hopefully, we can learn and progress next season, as those lads ten years ago managed to progress each season and take control and it was really player driven and they wanted so badly that day as many other days that you know they were just going to get it they were going to get that final they were going to get that win where's the medal where's the jersey now um the medal is at home um i, I kept kept all four of them together you know because i you know, I know people threw away the silver medals from 02 and 04 or uh, 2002, uh, 2002, but I always felt they're, they're, they're part of the journey, mm. um, part of, you know, the lessons from that give, give us the opportunity for 06 and 08 and, you know, it sits at home on the pride and on a, on a press and, you know, immense pride in, in looking at all of them um, because uh, each of them have their own story. For more memories of Cardiff 2006, you can check us out at monsterrugby.ie. And for more podcasts, subscribe to Monster Rugby on iTunes and SoundCloud.